Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Tiffany's in Rome. Katie is in Seattle. Although, Katie's actually probably in Rome based on when you're hearing this, but since we recorded it ahead of time, very soon I am going to Rome to meet up with Tiffany and also some of our listeners to do our grand first ever Roman tour. So we're recording this a little bit ahead of time. So Katie might actually be in Rome as you're listening, but normally she's in Seattle. And this is surprisingly the 500th episode of The Bittersweet Life. <laughs> Shockingly. Shockingly 500. Also, as we're recording, a notable day for Tiffany. What day is this for you? I uh, got off the plane in Rome 19 years ago today. Wow. And I, and I never went back except for vacation. But yeah, I've been here 19 years, nonstop, really. So it's does crazy. That, does that somehow seem related that arriving in Rome 19 years ago in the 500th episode of the Bittersweet Life podcast? It kind of does. When I noticed it today, I was like, oh, yeah. And knowing we were going to record our 500th episode today, it was like, oh, that's perfect. That lines up very nicely. It's something about a stick to that because I've been trying to think about because we didn't plan a grand party for the 500th episode. You know, we didn't plan to have some sort of amazing parade of all our best guests come through. You know, we could have made a real like fanfare to do. I didn't even put any sound effects together to pretend <laughs> that we're at a party celebrating our 500th episode. Although I guess I still could. Nah, I'm not going to. But <laughs> but I instead I've been finding myself thinking about artists and people who work on something for a really long time. I think that's partly because I've been reading a book. Maybe I mentioned it to you before. It's I'm going to pick it up off my desk. This thing is the heaviest book in the world. I don't know why exactly. It's not really that large. It's called Last Light, How Six Great Artists Made Old Age a Time of Triumph by Richard Lakaido. And it's all about the final movement of an artist, like how you know, don't count yourself out even if you're getting old. Sometimes the best things you're about to do. Katie, are where to come. where are you going with this? <laughs> you're starting to make me feel old. No, 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 not that. We are the prime of life, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> not that, but like, but that these a lot of artists they do stuff for their entire lives, and sort of the way of it is like you have to keep working and evolving, or or starting new projects, doing different things to really change and develop as an artist. And uh, I think a lot of what this book is talking about is the kind of stick about that. It's more like about maintaining a passion and an interest over the years rather than only doing stuff while you're great and quitting when you feel like you're not doing a good job at that moment. Uh, mm. I mean, I think that there are plenty of times in the 500 episodes of this show where it might have scratched me on the back of the head being like, Okay, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, like, why are we still doing this show? I, I mean, I think particularly I felt it the strongest when, when I first had gotten back from Rome. I guess not first back from Rome, but after I had lived there and I moved back. And then you, somewhere like in the first year or two of me being back in Seattle, is when you're pregnant with Aurelio and mm -hmm. having him and having him as a very small child. And during that period of the show... I felt like I was making this show completely alone for the most part and like just dragging yeah. it forward through those, through that era. 
and I definitely had moments where I was like, why am I, why am I trying to keep this show alive? You know, it's just, what are we doing here? You know, cause I was like interviewing guests all the time and, you know, just trying to make it as lively and interesting as I could while you weren't there anymore, you know, for that period of time. Yeah. But underneath it all is, I think, a couple things. A belief that there's something good here and that the exploration of what it is isn't done yet, you know. And so I kept going. And also, of course, knowing that you would one day return to the world of the uh, the living <laughs> after Aurelia got a little older. But I think it's also about whether or not the questions that you're exploring are still interesting and enlivening to you and that's what's so interesting about reading about these elderly artists who are like basically at the end of their lives they're losing like their own physical function like they're having trouble seeing they're having trouble holding a brush you know and yet they are still so engaged with the art itself that they they feel like they couldn't possibly live without it and I don't know that the bittersweet life is to that level. Like, I don't believe we're Titian <laughs> or Goya at this point. But, I mean, some of the similar questions are there. And I don't know. I like exploring what it is to be an artist and what it is to be an artist that's getting older. I mean, when you think about it, like, we started this show in our 30s. I'm still in my 30s, Katie, uh -huh. if you haven't noticed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least that's what Aurelio knows. That's what Aurelio believes. Well, I feel that for him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, I do, can I read you a couple quotes? Because I keep writing yes. down quotes. Okay. And okay, well, just tell everyone, Tiffany's extremely young. These artists are <laughs> very old when I'm writing about this. We're, we got Matisse here. We got Goya. We got Titian. It's Monet. You know, it's all them sort of at the end of their lives. And it's all stories about how what they make at the end of their lives is a departure from what they used to do. And it's kind of a, becomes an artistic triumph in some way for them personally or, or in the world. Okay, so here is a couple quotes. Here's the one I really love. This, this is in the introduction. There is not a chapter on this particular artist. But do you know the print artist Katsushika Hokuzai? He's the guy that did the Great yeah. Wave. Yes, yeah. I do know. <laughs> yeah, printer, printmaker. Okay, so here is something he said, and I love this so much. All I have produced before the age of 70 is not worth taking into account. At 73, <laughs> I have learned a little about the real structure of nature. When I am 80, I shall have made still more progress. At 90, I shall penetrate the mystery of things. At 100, I shall have reached a marvelous stage. And when I am 110, everything I do, be it a dot or a line, will be alive. Wow. That's amazing. That's a great quote. Luckily, in Japan, they live a long time. He did um, not make it to 110, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but I do love that idea that like you just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And at some point, everything he'll make, like even if it's just the twitch of his finger, will be absolute magic. Yeah, it is. It's inspiring. All right, let me tell, see if you think that this is as inspiring <laughs> or is this depressing? This might be more depressing. This is Matisse. Must I stop work even if the quality deteriorates? Each age has its own beauty. In any case, I still work with interest and pleasure. It is the only thing I have left. You know, that's not as inspiring, clearly. It, it's still it's still it's still a nice quote. It's still a nice outlook on the artist's life, but it doesn't have the same hopefulness. Yes. 
it's kind of the opposite i kind of like it because it's i mean i feel like with social media and such and, and kind of the internet we live in such a highly critical world and i'm sure that these artists in fact i know from reading this book also live in a highly critical world you know in the sense like monet is being called irrelevant while he's still <laughs> making stuff but i kind of love that line of uh must i stop work even if the quality deteriorates like who is the work for is it for you or is it for me? And then uh, another quote that's kind of related is Matisse asking Renoir, who is older than him, why he still works, especially because I guess Renoir at the end of his life was in a lot of pain, which I don't know as much about that because I'm not reading about him right now. But anyway, he was still working even though he was in tons of pain. And Matisse asked him, why are you still doing this? Like, why are you making yourself suffer? And Renoir's answer was, the pain passes, the beauty endures. Ah, oh, love Renoir. Yeah, so, and it's true, his beauty does endure, because it does. you can still it see does. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering if I have any more great quotes in here. I mean, I have one very short one from Goya in the very last years of his life. He just said, I am still learning. <laughs> Humble. <laughs> Humble or, or kind of inspiring. Yeah, you can keep learning new things, adding to your craft for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, there, there's, an, uh, there's a great list out there. I've seen it on social media somewhere of writers and the age at which they published their first book. And they're, they're all incredibly important and renowned writers. And it's surprising. Some of them are really surprising how old they were when they published their first book. I'm talking like in their 60s. Mm. Some of them, some of them. And, you know, names that almost anyone would know. Yeah, I mean, there. have we done a show about the second lives? Like, where, I think we have, right? Where you, you kind of live one life and then you live another one. Because I've heard stories about writers in that way where it's, it's his whole life. He was an accountant or he was a lawyer. Yeah. He, he worked on Wall Street and then he broke through with the great American novel. And I love stories like that. But I think it's kind of true for many of us that it's not just one life. It's like multiple lives, mm -hmm. multiple stages. Yeah, I think I think those are the lucky ones who who get to do so many different things. Not, not to say that they're, you know, that it isn't also amazing to devote your entire life to one art form and create you know something extraordinary like someone like Renoir did but it is also a great opportunity to have different careers and wear different hats over the course of your life mm -hmm. I mean even when you think about you know you as a young person entering the working world I think about the early jobs I have sometimes and even that feels like I know it was me you know and I can even remember what it felt like to be in some of these places but it also feels like it's an entirely different life uh, yeah I, I mean I can still vividly remember spending my days in a warehouse picking merchandise out of boxes on a line and like packing up garbage and sending it out to people all day long listening to a Walkman you know listening to books on tape getting in trouble for driving the forklift Things like that. <laughs> I mean, a guy helped me drive it that knew how to drive it. But, you know, still, I guess it wasn't my place. Uh, but that whole world of people that worked there, those were my people for a long time. Like, they were the people I saw every single day at work. And yet that seems as remote as it possibly could be. And sometimes I wonder, I wonder if some of those people are still there. 
I wonder if that oh, I'm, I'm sure warehouse is, I know the warehouse is still operating, but I wonder if those people are all still there or not. I hope not. I really do. <laughs> Would it be too meta to reflect on the uh, ways this show has changed over time? No. I mean, it definitely has. It definitely has um, had its own different lives as well. Is there a stage like the Aurelio as a baby stage that was difficult for you when it came to like thinking about keeping the show going? I don't know that I was thinking that much about anything except Aurelio when he was a baby. No, I mean for you, like an equivalent, an equivalent. Oh, an equivalent yeah. of that time for you. Um, it's definitely, I mean, I can't think of one particular moment that stands out in such a dramatic way, but I, I'll be honest, I, I've never really... And I mean, I don't do the editing, as you and everyone listening knows. Katie does all the editing, which is the brunt work. Mm -hmm. um, although I do a lot of behind-the-scenes work as well. But I've never really come to a point where I was like, basta. You know, I can't, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. You know? Yeah. I mean, th there is a lot of work that goes into it. A lot of people don't, if they're not in, involved in audio production or producing a podcast or producing any kind of weekly output of any kind that takes lots of different components you might not listening to this show realize how much work does go into it but on the other hand the actual product is the fruit of a conversation between one of my closest friends in the world so you know I'm pretty lucky at the end of the day mm. even if I'm barely making any money off of it um, <laughs> it's still it's still worth it to me just to um to create something that I know is valuable and also I get to do it with you. Yeah, I know. If only we one day made enough money to outsource the editing. Yeah. Maybe I it know. will happen someday. Maybe someday. Because, you know, it is true that the editing itself is, um, it's the one thing that I get very tired of. And like right now you <laughs> and I are getting, we're getting prepared to be in Rome. And when we're in Rome, while we might be taping new episodes, we don't have the time to like put it out. And so we're banking all these episodes, which for me looks like, you know, a whole bunch of folders that are full of audio files that I have to address. Mm -hmm. And each one takes quite a bit of time. And, and it's just so that I just go, OK, great. How many more episodes do we have to record before I leave? How many more hours is it going to take me to edit all those episodes? And well, hey, that okay, I get you, tired may, you never know. Maybe someday you, you can outsource this to artificial intelligence. Oh, well, wouldn't that be something? Maybe. I mean, who knows? Who knows? It seems to be able to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, so who, who says it couldn't, you know, start editing, editing our tape? You never know. You never know if you, you put in the know. parameters. I tried doing that with a program that can automatically erase, supposedly can automatically erase. It's called the script. Can automatically erase ums and ahs and pauses. And what I found was that it it can do that, but it doesn't take into account when an um is a good thing, like mm -hmm. where it adds a, a, a dramatic pause and when it can be taken out. And so sometimes, and it also doesn't like figure out how to blend it nicely together. And so, you know, it would be like, uh, 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 you know, it would make all these like, <laughs> sometimes the cut would be beautiful and you'd have no idea that anything was missing. And other times it would sound like you were skipping. The other option could just be, you don't edit us anymore. And we just talk for shorter amount of time. So the episode isn't too long and you don't edit. And everybody can hear how many times I say like and um and you know. And literally. <laughs> and literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. You know, it's kind of like you said, it's like a, it's a product of something. It's an art form. So I'm It's not, a labor of love. I'm not ready to completely just let it go rogue wild. I mean, <laughs> curious though, I mean, 500 episodes, of course, that's not counting the mini episodes. Of which there are nearly 200 now, I think. Yeah, and they will be coming back in November. They uh, will. But <laughs> maybe not immediately at the beginning of November, but they will be back. Do you have episodes that actually stand out, or would it be impossible to say? I mean, and I didn't warn you about this, so you have not looked at the list of all the th- things that we've done. Well, I love, I mean, like you, I love the Senses episodes, which are way back in, I think, season one. Yes. Or season they are two. The, they are great. I love the hat box episode. Yeah. I love the goals, both, both one. I think there are two goals episodes and I think they're both really fun. Mm. I really love the episodes about fantasy and reality oh, that we yeah. did. Yeah. I forgot about those. Um, those are just some off the top of my head. That's pretty good. So you like a series is what you're saying, really. I do. I do. I do. Yeah. Fantasy, like, reality, like the, the goals, the senses. Yeah. The senses stand out as one of my favorite episodes, too. Although I don't, I still feel like we failed on the sense of touch on that series. It's it's nearly a perfect series until we get to touch. And that one gets. Uh, I don't even remember what we did, what we talked about. I mean, we kind of turned touch into feel, mm. which was fine but i believe it's not really the same thing yeah and i think we for something else happened where we were going to record it at the at this particular church and then we got kicked out so we ended up having to record part of it on the stairs or maybe it was closed maybe it wasn't kicked out but maybe it was closed and you had to be somewhere so you also had like no time and so uh, we had like this rigmarole this. and so it ends up being kind of a short episode we never super figure out what we're talking about at least that's how I remember it <laughs> in my head. Was like okay. here we have this beautiful four-part, should have been five-part series, and it just falls apart at the end. But that could have been the radio. I have no me. memory of that. <laughs> I I I'd have to go and listen back. And some of the guests too. But see, I'm I have get memories with certain guests, but you weren't there, so you don't have those right. memories. But like I can, ne- I'll never forget Mary Beard, who's the Roman historian. Uh, I, I will imagine. never forget. One, I was so nervous to interview her because I felt like she had so much knowledge of ancient Rome and I and her book was so large that as much as I tried to get through it, I couldn't scratch the surface of what she was talking about and I wasn't sure I totally understood everything she was talking about. So I was very nervous. And she arrives from her flight and I had to interview her right after she landed. So she's jet lagged. She has to do a live performance later that night, and I'm sitting next to her. She is still to this day the only person I've ever interviewed who was laying on their back while I was talking to them and talking to me with their eyes closed, and yet it sounds like the most lively and engaged conversation. It sounds completely opposite of what it was actually like to be in the room. (laughs) To me, whenever I think of that episode with Mary Beard, or even whenever I think of her at all, I think of her in the Roman Forum, talking, chatting with you in the Roman Forum because of the the virtual tour episode we did, which is another one of my favorites. Well, we did two virtual tours. We did a regular virtual tour during the, the lockdown when neither of us could go out. And here I am in Rome and I can't go anywhere to any of these places and no one else can 
if you haven't listened to that, that's a really fun show. Katie put in all of these background sounds to make it sound like we were walking through the city of Rome when actually we were at home, her in Seattle, me in Rome. And then we did another one where you did, we did the same sort of thing, but you weaved in interviews (laughs) that we had done in the past and Mary Beard, her, like a little snippet of her interview was there. And it was like, we were walking through the Roman forum and you're like, oh, hey, there's Mary Beard. And all of a sudden she just starts expounding on, I can't remember exactly what, but it's so brilliant. I just love that moment so much. I remember what it is. I remember what it is. And she says, she says her opening line when we introduce her is I say, uh, what are these weird, I say something like, what are these weird things in the marble? And she says, those they're, are, they're board games. And she goes, those are board games. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, those are board games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was brilliant. I love it. I love that moment. So that one's called what? Virtual tour with special guests, I think. Something like that. Yeah. If anyone is listening who is relatively new to this show, it is so worth it to go back and hear those. Just, just those two are so much fun. But it's particularly funny if you've heard the special guests in their original context mm-hmm. and then yes. you see where they show up in that tour of Rome. Because I do think it's funnier if you listen to the original episode and then you see how we've shoved them into this like live, live yeah, tour those experience. Are board games. Those, those are, are board, board games. games. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so brilliant. And I, you know, another one I really loved was another one we did during the lockdown which was the one where we took all those listener voicemails of all these different snapshots uh-huh. of what was happening from all over the world and gave mm, kind of that a, was beautiful. a big picture of what was happening in a lot of different places. And the voice memos were just all so rich and so different from each other, even though we were all in the same situation. I found that mm-hmm. to be very interesting. And not only that, I think during the lockdown, during episodes like that was when I really thought, my goodness, I'm glad we kept this show alive. Like, if we only kept it alive for this moment, it was worth it to have the show going during that time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it, one, gave us some purpose, but it also made it feel like we weren't completely isolated. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, quite a gift, actually. I just And hopefully it was also a gift that we gave our listeners. Yeah, I just, you know? I just last night, as we're recording this, I just did an event at Town Hall last night, moderated an event. Met one of our listeners there, a man named Mm. Scott. Scott, if you're listening, hi. Nice to meet you. And he said that he had really listened a lot to the show during the lockdown. He said he hadn't been listening as much now that he's back in the world, which, you know, get on it, Scott. Uh, But he he said during the lockdown, he just like would listen to episode after episode after episode after episode, you know, as a way of keeping in touch with people around the world and keeping, keeping his mind going during that crazy time so mm-hmm. at least that's how I took yeah. it so yeah super neat oh well, that's nice yeah all right so I don't know if we're going to commit to 500 more maybe <laughs> not at this moment or maybe we will if we're counting bonus episodes which means it's not another 10 years but <laughs> I'm I'm glad that we made it this far and I do want to thank all of you who donated along the way, because truly we would not, I mean, a lot of this was just grunt force will that made this show stay in existence, but it was also financial support that made it possible because there's also a lot of, as much as you don't know, like how much work goes into it, there's a lot of bills that go into it that you wouldn't expect. I mean, even the very basic one that I just got again um, is Tiffany and I right now are talking through Zoom and to talk this long through Zoom is 
very expensive to subscribe to every year. <laughs> so yeah, it, financial support from listeners helping us pay those bills so that it wasn't like we were just going broke making it was also a huge yes. gift. And some of you have been donating since the very beginning. And that impresses me every single time your donation comes through. I see your name and I think, my gosh, you know, they've been with us for 500 episodes nearly, which is just incredible. And there are also new yeah, people. I, ha I do want to thank three new people who jumped on Patreon. John, Linda, and Mary, our most recent supporters at the monthly level. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy all that bonus yes. content. I know. We're not even counting the bonus content either in that in that yeah run. let's not go there we're probably at a thousand already <laughs> we calculated it out once and i know that this calculation is now wrong but we did calculate out once that if you had been listening from the beginning that you had been listening to us talk for something like 250 hours <laughs> <laughs> it's not that long really if you think about it it's only like what maybe maybe two weeks time well spent i say yeah <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, congratulations, Tiffany, on 500 and on your 19 years in Rome. That's pretty incredible. Congratulations to you on 500. And thank you for the uh, the expat anniversary wishes, because I do think of it every single year that it rolls around. Next year, I will, uh, 20 years, I will definitely have to do some kind of a party because I think 20 years as an expat merits that. Um, yes. I just got a comment on Instagram from a listener to one of our recent, m most recent, uh, probably our most recent episode. And she wrote, I'm catching up. I've been listening from the beginning. It's New Year's 2018. I'm going to send you a recipe. <laughs> yeah, because we were um, doing that cooking show. But... <laughs> no, I don't think it was that. I think I think in 2018, my New Year's resolution must have been to um, oh, come up to with a meal more. plan. I think it was specifically to have a meal plan and that never happened, <laughs> but, um, and to stick to it. And I said, people send me your easy recipes. And she said she hasn't. So I told her to send it anyway. Hmm. I always find it amusing when people are catching up and they, they don't necessarily know what's going on in our lives at the moment. Maybe they did a glimpse on social media, mm -hmm. but you know, to her, Aurelio's three, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, maybe you're living in San Francisco. I don't I don't know. I can't remember exactly in 2018 what was going on. Uh, but, you know, it's funny to think about there are people who are in our lives at a totally different moment yeah. than right now. And it's just kind of trippy to think about. I mean, it's all, when you say that, bring that up, it's also trippy to think about how many memories are tied to this show. Because when you were saying that the meal plan and People were sending recipes because I definitely remember that. Because of that, I believe our listener Nick taught me how to make cacio e pepe because he sent me the the uh, explanation and the instructions on how to do it and how to do it right without having the milk or the cheese turned into like gelatinous mess. A glob. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I successfully executed it that it. one time right after he wow. explained it to me. And it was a triumph. And of course, it's one of those wow. things that n I never would have done if this show hadn't existed. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah, I've never even attempted it because I don't I don't think I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably at the 500th episode, we also need to thank our one and only intern that we ever had, Estrella Gomez. Estrella. Has Estrella had her baby yet? I don't no. think so. But, okay. But well, if, if you have, congratulations. If you haven't, best wishes for the easiest 
and less least painful birth that is possible. <laughs> yes, and thank you for also helping this show keep going back in the day. All right, well, we'll leave it there. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. If you love this show, support it. For as little as $5 every month, you get to hear two bonus episodes and even say hello during upcoming meetups online. That's every month for as little as $5. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and click support to explore ways to pitch in to keep this show you love on the air. Thank you.